Hi, I'm Scott. And I'm Seth. And I'm Jackie Ding. And... Oh, sorry, Jeremy Swenson. (laughs) (laughs) I just reminded Jeremy that in one of his videos from last year at Heartland, he introduced himself. Hi, Jackie Ding here, and just went straight into it. Sorry Um, about that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You get get what you get. (laughs) So tonight we do have Jeremy Swenson on. Uh, we're gonna, I don't know, we're gonna talk about something, um, faces and, uh, cars probably. Mm. Yeah. Cause you just got your haircut wanting to, to look, look good for the weekend. <laughs> Luckily the camera's a low dot per inch kind of thing. So you can't really tell how ugly I actually am. Yeah. We did zoom because it, I, the way we kind of found with all the audio recording is zoom kind of has the best audio mm-hmm. recording that we could do and still have video uh video is not great though uh, so whatever so jeremy hi hi i don't i'm trying to think like you and i've definitely talked i can't say i know a whole lot about you other than like you used to do grid life time attack mm-hmm. you've won a few small autocrosses here and there and your wife puts up with a whole lot of bullshit from you. <laughs> well said. I think that about wraps how, it up. How, how, uh, I, how'd I do? I think you did quite well. Thank you. Uh, most most notably, you'd like to hear about my racing exploits, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, I mean, we can get into your college days here soon. Um, <laughs> That's a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, guess what? In college, I drove a 97 Honda Civic EX two-door five-speed manual 1.6 d engine made about six horsepower yeah and i thought it was pretty cool no one was pretty cool no wonder you well, at, cool. the, at the time at the time still it was i mean minivans were still faster but you know you get what you get did what kind of exhaust did you have on said honda it had an ebay fart can obviously yes <laughs> <laughs> what? can't be fast at least be loud yeah ebay was blowing up i had an ebay cold air intake uh i had ebay everything it was ebay so we're talking like college, you know? 96 98 it was a 97 90 yeah, yeah. nailed it i mean i I did already say that, so I mean, no. The fact what that year were the car was? We wanted yeah. to like what year no. you were you were like deep into modifying this shit box. Yeah. Oh, uh, this was two thousand one. Okay. Yeah. There's no way I was buying a new one, so uh, yeah, that was. <laughs> it had like sixty thousand miles when I bought it. Anyway, I just wanted the sure. Honda boys. There's a lot of them. I just wanted you all to know. I used to drive a Honda briefly, until I realized torque thing wasn't uh, uh, in existence, and then moved on so is is that why you feel justified in calling them shit boxes <laughs> no it's because they're shit boxes <laughs> that's why okay. uh no uh <clears throat> i think most of our our cars in the series are pretty much shit boxes uh but boy yeah they certainly i i used to have a nice miata jeremy yeah um it's as i was fiddling with it over the weekend to get it ready for Heartland, I'm slowly realizing how much is being held on with duct tape at this point. <laughs> and yeah. I'm bothered somewhat by it, but not enough to do much about it right now. <laughs> mm. 
So this uh, this C five of mine was pre shit boxed before I bought it, so I didn't have to worry about any of that. Okay. And uh, although my previous Corvette was like perfect ZR one, and then I turned it into a shit box. So yeah, let's start there because you, I'm gonna say, used to have a very fast Corvette mm-hmm. um, that you raced in track mod street mod yeah track, track mod, mod yeah okay um i was the guy that used to drag ferris Kartumi around the country and beat him everywhere we went yes until until he found turbochargers and then i just couldn't play the game anymore so i came and joined you guys boy is that up you know they they always say boats every year take 10 to 15 percent just in maintenance like 10 to 15 percent of how much they're worth in maintenance mm. every year um, time attack cars, I think is way more than that in terms of like what you could actually like sell it for and how much I would say closer to like 30 or 40% if you yeah. want to stay competitive. Yeah. It's pretty disgusting. I'm, I'm glad most of my budget goes to tires now instead of upgrades. Like I don't have to go chase horsepower or chase any of this or that. It's just tires and fuel. And then if I break something, fix it. So and were you still racing at the sequential point or did you get rid of it right before that? No, I had a sequential in it, which is so awesome, except mine never even worked properly. It was it was getting to the point where we were trying to figure out what the problem was with the flat shift and everything. So uh but it was still it's amazing. And if you ever get a chance, drive one or own one, they're they're pretty awesome. Damn. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to tell us that. You're supposed to tell us they're they're uh, terrible and you don't yeah. want one and you should just keep driving your age pattern because that's the way to have true happiness. <laughs> well, even the dog box age pattern is is still pretty enjoyable. Uh, although the faceplate that I have now is, is nothing really that special. But like you, you see those G Force dog boxes, man, it makes me drool. Have you seen the in car of Eric Jensen? Yeah. He doesn't even lift. Then there's no uh, flat or cut for it either. No. He just rams it in the next yeah. gear. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. And it makes good noises. Yeah. Uh, again, yeah. If, if nothing else, we're here for the hot boy noises. That's right. <laughs> um, all right. So you started you started playing out with uh, Shipbox Civics and eBay bolt-on parts. Um, there, There's a big gap there <laughs> between... Basically, I don't want to say dominating, but certainly performing well in track mod at a very high level. Um, what what was your your car trajectory? Kind of uh, this will be fun. All right. So, uh, high school, I started out with uh, my aunt's car, which was a '92 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme. Uh, yeah, that's to that. Okay. Anyway, uh, beyond that, then was the the Civic, and then uh, it was oh. like, okay, now now we got married. Uh, at 22, I was married. Um, oh, wow. We were in living in Des Moines, and I was working at a dealership, and it was time for a new car. So I bought a 2006 Mustang GT, new, okay. and that was, uh, I almost wrecked it with like five miles on it. Um, it was raining when I picked it up. And I was like, this is amazing. It was the first uh, first time I'd driven something with some actual horsepower. They made 300 horsepower at the time. And rear-wheel drive. Uh, and rear-wheel drive. And uh, I decided I should probably drift this on-ramp 
Uh, it was a cloverleaf on ramp. And I was like, man, I should probably drift this. And I killed it, man. I nailed the whole thing until the end when it came time to straighten up. And I flung on the uh, freeway. Luckily, no, no one was in that lane because by then I was out of control. So anyway, uh, lesson learned at 22 um, to not Mustang your Mustang immediately. <laughs> Uh, so I know. Anyway, I know you're you're playing straight to the stereotypes right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was it was great until it wasn't. And Tiffany was with me, and she's like, "You were under control, right?" I'm like, "Yeah, but until I wasn't." Yeah. But anyway, uh, so that was awesome. That was like a dream come true. Um, and uh, before we carry on, uh, I bought that car right before my dad passed away, um, so I was able to give him a ride. Um, we went Uh-oh. up to I don't know 130 or something, and he was really sick, so he didn't really get to enjoy it very much. Um, but he's the one who gave me my love of cars and my passion for anything with an engine. Basically, I was, so, I was about did to ask. Did he what's... have anything super cool when you were a kid? No, we wow. had no we had no money. Okay, um, so we didn't really have anything. Well, I should I take that back. Um, we were into motorcycles as well, and we had a. We lived in a small town, so um, he bought a. When I was sixteen, I think fifteen or sixteen, he bought a ZX11 Ninja, which at the time uh, is like it's an eleven hundred cc sport bike. Uh, it was like the fastest motorcycle in the world at the time, oh. and that was what I was cruising around on at sixteen years old. <laughs> that was a very serious motorcycle. Yeah, so yes. it had a lot more motor than it had chassis yeah. to use it. So yeah. those are pretty yep. notorious for yep. that. Yeah. Seth yep. is the uh, the motorcycle guy, and his eyes got oh nice, real yeah, big. yeah. I, I know exactly what that bike is. I've, yeah, I that, know I've read plenty of stories of people trying to turn them into you know proper race bikes. And uh, I don't. You, the, you're wasting your time. <laughs> that's it. The motor was always so much better than the entire yeah. rest of the motorcycle. Yeah, it, so it did not ride well at all. Uh, it head shook uh, when you're getting off throttle, uh, but it ripped in a straight line. It was pretty good. Uh, although we ended up with a second gear issue, like I think is pretty common on those. So, uh, we ended up rebuilding it and who cares? It's, uh, that that's gone. Although, uh, a little bit later, my dad bought a, uh, FZ one. It's a, a standard naked bike, Yamaha. That's a thousand CC. It's kind of like, a an old man's version of a, of a race bike, a little more upright seating position. So he and I got to go cruise on those, uh, together a lot when I was in my teenage years. And, uh, that was some of the wildest stuff. I, I don't think I've ever gone faster on a motorcycle than when I did right next to my dad going 165 miles an hour, uh, <laughs> right next to each other. <laughs> so I, I learned my love of speed from him. And even me at the time I was the teenager, I was like, dad, what are we doing here? This is really <laughs> stupid. Uh, and then, and, yeah, and this so was still have, like in the middle of nowhere. I, Iowa. Uh, we live in we live in northwest Minnesota, so country okay. fields all over the place. Just uh, you know, two lane country roads where, if no one's around, you go have some fun. So yeah, we did that a, a number of times, and we're lucky that uh, we got away with it. Both uh, that we're still alive and that we didn't get caught. So that's anyway. Yeah, that's and that's interesting that you know, like you guys never really had nice cars. You had some cool motorcycles and just working on stuff, but like that was enough to like just hook you and like light a fire. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it was well be before that I was three or four years old riding a four wheeler around at my grandpa's. Yeah. Uh, and that's probably where I learned car control. The best was just riding a four wheeler on gravel roads I, the thing was never straight. I was sliding it all the time because yep. why wouldn't you? It's way more fun. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's where I learned probably like 
you know, how do you get through a corner sideways and what happens if I hit the brakes? What happens if I, you know, hit the throttle even more? And uh, that's probably where I learned it. And then of course on snow and ice up here is uh, you get lots of chances to to learn car control. So that's, uh, I don't know. I've loved driving since I was a kid. Yeah. That's like, isn't it warm? Like four months out of the year up yeah. there. Was it's the- not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm beyond ready to move. I'm I'm over this place. Uh, there's a lot going for it, but the weather isn't one of them. We've got about four months of great weather, and that's about it. So what what's up there for you right now? Job? Uh, no, actually, I'm I work remotely. I'm at my office right now in my home office. Uh, this is where I work uh, nice. nine to six. But uh, my wife has a great job. We have family and friends, and gotcha kids are in school and it's really tough to leave. So, yeah, but trust me, I've been working on them. <laughs> how, how old are your kids now? 10 and seven okay. girl and a boy. Yeah. Got a while before graduations, even in the pictures. So. Uh, yes. Yeah. We'll probably be here for a while, but so back to the car uh, deal. So Mustang. it was a 06 Mustang GT had that for quite a while. Um, then, and by quite a while, it was probably two years. Um, then I think I had a few RX-8s. Um, okay. I thought you said didn't see like that torque. coming. Didn't see that coming with the torque no. thing, did you? No, yeah, that was <laughs> unexpected. <laughs> yeah, what? Uh, yeah, and the, although it was a real problem, uh, I think I had that, the one that I drove, I had for, I don't know, six months, seven months, and I was like, that's enough. I can't do this anymore. And then I bought a 2012 Mustang GT uh, right before we had our first kid. Uh, I called it my family car, you know, good time, good time, got to settle down. And then, uh, that was with the five liter, uh, next, next level engine. Uh, they're still awesome engines, those coyotes, but, uh, anyway, and then I had a G8 GXP after that because I wanted four doors and I wanted something that could do everything. I like, Um, I like those. Dude, they're great cars. Those are fantastic cars and cheap at the time too. (laughs) No, the GXPs, they're, they only made 700 in a manual and 700 in an auto. Okay. So they were, it was still a 30 grand car with, I don't know, 70, 60,000 miles. But like for what you got, it felt like. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a six, two Camaro basically with a six speed Tremec manual. And yeah, they're still, and they're still about that same price or a little bit more now, but uh, awesome car. They're just heavy, but I, yeah. I started autocrossing that car and, uh, started putting some BMR parts at it and, uh, getting really fast and winning most of my local stuff or first or second, pretty much at all the, the local stuff in a 4,000 pound G eight on some pretty tight tracks. So I was like, man, I, I'm pretty good at this. Yeah. And, uh, so I was like, but I also know a G eight is not really what I want because what I love most about racing is the competition and winning it's, I know that's not everybody's thing. Uh, but for me, that's like, that's what gets me in the garage every night working to make the car faster. And that's what, why I waste every cent I make on these dumb cars is to go race, to have a chance to win. So I was like, well, let's go look at something else. I need to, you know, figure out what it's going to be. I did not want a Corvette because I was like, I wasn't ready to commit to being an old guy yet. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, but a uh, friend that owns a uh, performance shop here uh, said, you should just buy a ZR1. It's a ton of money, yes, but 
uh, all you really need is like headers and some Hoosiers and you'll go win stuff. I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. And I was able to convince my wife that that made a lot of sense. So that's exactly what we did. Uh, found one in Canada, got a pretty good deal on it and uh, went out and picked it up. It was completely stock. It was perfect. And then I ruined it immediately. And we did the headers and a tune and some Hoosiers. And we went out to, did a bunch of NASA stuff that year. I won every race. Um, I went until, oh yeah. And then we did an Optima thing. If you're familiar with that series at all. Yep. I won, I won an invitation in the Optima series to go uh, race in the Vegas deal, the invitational. And so that was awesome. But I also found out when I got there, I was like fourth fastest on the, uh, road course and that didn't sit well with me so it's ever since then it's just been a let's make this car and this driver faster so can we can we back up a second how did you it, yeah. how did you go from drifting and on-ramp to autocross like how did you get that introduction to autocross and that's fair the addiction that we all sort of sure end great up question with? uh we had a local autocross in fargo north dakota and uh, a friend of mine at the time, still a friend of mine, uh, brought me out to this autocross and we just watched. And I was like, dude, this looks like fun. I would do this. So I think the next one, I just showed up with my Mustang and started going. And I was like, okay, I'm pretty good at this too. And basically at the top of the board pretty much every time. So um, that's that's really all it went. You know, it was just a, a chance to get out and use your car other than like car shows drive me nuts. Uh couldn't be less interested in car shows really anymore. Uh, and it doesn't help. I've been to SEMA five times. I've been to PRI now a few times and it's like, that's one thing, but like just the sit in the lawn chair and talk about how great your car is, though you only just drive it to the car shows. Like that doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. It was, how long did it, was, how long did it take you to go looking for more competition in autocross? Because if you're at the top of the timesheets all ever, you know, to start with, Yep. When did you want to go find the fast guys? Sure. Well, actually, we found them pretty quick. Uh, we, uh, I'm sure you've heard of Andy Smetagard. Um, oh, yeah, that he, guy. He, that guy. <laughs> he and some of his homeboys, um, you know, they don't live too far from us in Wisconsin. So they put on an event. Um, they help organize an event uh, at uh, Brainerd here in Minnesota, uh, Brainerd International Raceway called Proving Grounds. And at least back then, it was enormous. There was, uh, all types of different racing disciplines, drifting, autocross, road course, drag racing, uh, basically everything you could want all in one place in one weekend, uh, tons of cars, tons of people, and a uh, really, really fun event uh, put on by the guys at Modern Automotive Performance out of Minnesota. And uh, anyway, uh, so I went there and then it was like, okay, here's some actual real competition. And, you know, Andy and I would, it would depend wildly on whatever car we had at the time too, like, uh, but we could would always be near the top. He and I, and, and some other, you know, the usual suspects were always up there. So, but that gave me the, uh, the appeal to like, okay, this is fun. What's this next event. And, you know, they knew everything about like this Optima thing, which they were into at the time. Uh, Brandon Randbeck was out running that Ronnie Solomon was out running that. Um, some of those guys were, you know, doing very well in there. And I'm like, well, let's, let's go, man. I want to do this too. Cause I, I want to prove that I can drive with these guys. So, yeah, and that was yeah, that was back in their Evo days too, right? Back in the Evo days. Yep. Yeah, they built some nasty Evos and they uh, punched well above their weight too. 
So, and they, on a national level too, I mean, Danny pop was the, the guy for Optima for a long time and he gave, or they gave him a run for his money on many occasions. So, yeah. Hmm. So you got this ZR one you did. I'm going to say only a header tune in Hoosiers because that wasn't quite where you stopped. So when did <laughs> when did the like autocross to Optima to Grid Life like did you get to Grid Life through Andy like who introduced mm, well, you? Well, I've got a group a group of friends, uh, Sean Krebsbach, who yep. will be joining us in GLTC next year. He just won fifteen grand at the uh, King of the Mountain event. Um, uh, a bunch of other local friends that knew about all these events too. Um, I. I think Gingerman a number of years ago, probably five years ago was my first grid life event. And it was just a natural progression. Just, uh, you know, it's, we all knew about it. And then it was just a matter of getting there and having a truck and a trailer that gets yourself out there. And you're familiar. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Eventually I, I tried to rage against the truck and trailer for. Yeah. I know you did many years. You did great. Yeah. By the way, uh, tangent, uh, I understand congratulations are in order. Thank you. I don't think we've talked about it on the show. Actually. Maybe did I just break some some news that shouldn't be? No, I mean, it's, well, we didn't even say what it is. So yeah, yeah. Um, I I said yes. Um, Becky uh, Becky proposed. Oh, um, yeah, so sweet. Yeah, so she uh, finally tied me down. So um, that's awesome. No, yeah, it's been a long time coming we've been together it's not like either you were going anywhere so yeah no it's just a matter of time and opportunity blah 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 but yep thank you thank you congrats that's looking at next year i think right now anyway so we'll see how the planning goes should do it at a racetrack don't you think so all right i'll talk about america seems seems about right for you so i how I wanted to propose is very different how I ended up proposing and the proposal went great. Um, my original thought was absolutely it was going to be at a racetrack cause that's kind of what brought us together in the first place. Um, and she like early on was like, no, that's don't do that. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> got it. So at least you got the memo on that. So yep, that's, that's good. Yep. Yeah, I didn't get the eye roll being like, oh, asshole, you did it here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) God damn it, can't get away. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Um, So I'm not, I'm not quite sure. So you, you went to grid life. Did, did grid life like hook you like, or was it just like a slow progression into it? Or you went that once and it was like, this is the competition because yeah, no, I, was, I was hooked right away. Uh, not just for the competition. I mean, I, I think most of my track, I'd have to go look, but I think most of my track mod uh, trophies are winning trophies. So it's like, but there was serious competition to do that. Uh, at the time, Luke McGrew was driving a Viper and he and I battled yep. nonstop uh, Paul Curley, Ferris, a uh, bunch of really fast guys, you know, it was just fun battles where it was really close at the end of every race weekend. So, um, that was, I was hooked immediately and not just from the racing either, but like when you go to, uh, Gingerman for the first time for a Midwest fest, that's like, holy cow, it's, uh, 
it's a whole thing and it's uh it's a lot of fun yeah, a, so yeah i was totally totally hooked uh, although i was simultaneously doing other stuff i was doing the optima stuff still and i was i mean uh, a buddy and i were driving around he had a gtr and he and i drove all over the country with our cars on a two-car uh, open trailer and uh man i've had so much fun in racing i i don't deserve it that's for sure so how during this time like how did that work with having kids and kind of i would think like hoping to get them involved and and on some level like how did how did that work for you guys sure um i don't know if i want them involved much (laughs) (laughs) seth Seth has said the exact same thing Yeah, yeah, because we know what we're you know what you're signing up for, Seth. <laughs> if you if you get them too hooked, you you know what you're on the hook for. So yeah, I uh, they've been coming with to some events lately, which has been fantastic. Especially like when we go to Colorado, um, they came with to Mid Ohio this year, but we'll turn it into a little family vacation, and uh, it's been great, and they love it. So uh, not not even the racing, really, just the you know the atmosphere and something different and yeah. a little vacation. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I. What was the other question that you just had? <laughs> no, just, yeah, how, how are they liking it? How are you guys, like, kind of keeping them involved or just like... Oh, sure. And then, yeah, you'd ask, like, how do you, how do I make it work? Uh, it's yeah. not really how I make it work. It's how my wife does. And she's been so supportive from the beginning. And, uh, you know, when our kids were younger, they couldn't... It didn't make sense for them to come with any races. Right. Um, so Tiffany would just stay home and I'd go race and I was self-employed for like the last 12 years or something, which made it nice. Cause then I could just, you know, leave whenever I wanted to go racing and it was awesome. But, um, she obviously had to take care of uh, the kids. So, but now that they're getting a little bit older, they're coming with to some stuff. And now Tiffany's made it a priority to come to almost every race mm-hmm. this season. And she is hooked on it too, which is exponentially more fun because now i have uh you know the my favorite person in this world comes with me and we have the time of our lives and she's involved and she's excited and she's doing all the uh uh you know working on the car and you know being the being the crew chief basically and uh it's it's like another level of of happiness in racing that i've discovered is uh enjoying it with someone and i think maybe that's something that we should you know, discuss in the future too, is, uh, I love the competition of racing. I can't do this forever. I'm old. I'm fat. I'm, I can physically feel like I'm not as sharp as I used to be. Um, so like, but I can still get kicks in racing. I think if I was to find someone to support and be a crew chief for, or be part of a team, basically, I feel like, um, if you ever watched the cars movies, oh yeah, <laughs> that's the, the, the analogy where like, you know, you're, you're done racing, but you don't have to be done racing kind of sure. thing. And, uh, I've wondered, uh, from people that have maybe gone down that path, what they think. You gotta, you gotta come up with that sage wisdom. Like, you know, sometimes to go left, you gotta turn right. <laughs> yeah. But, well, more importantly, at the end of the day, it's an empty cup. That's the real advice that I need to take sometimes. Like when I'm trying to decide if, uh, if I'm going to go stick it down inside somebody and, and, you know, take a chance at a dive bomb or something like that, which by the way, I don't do, but if I was about to, I think that's what I would think is like, what's more important to, you know, an empty cup or a pissed off guy with two broken, broken cars or so. Yeah. We, um, there's been a, an event happened over the weekend 
Uh, did you hear about this at all? Yes. At Nationals? Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, that's why know. I brought it up. That was one yeah. of the most clear-cut and flagrant incidents, along with being wholly unapologetic afterwards that I've seen in a while. So, yeah. yeah. Seth, have you seen that yet? I have, um, okay. especially coming from the weekend, you know, two weekends before where I had a similar move put on me on motorcycles. And, uh, yeah, that's like when that happens to you and you're just like, uh, don't it's, be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of that. Yeah. So the, it's, so the, the line that, you know, we, we always hear and let's talk about it for a hot minute. It, you know, the line we always hear is certainly the Senate quote, even though like Adam preaches regularly that, you know, it's misused, but there, one of my friends shared a similar or a, a quote about racing from a sailboat racer, um, that the quote was essentially, if you win, but by winning you have lost the respect of your fellow competitors, then you have not won. And I think that's probably the most on-the-nose quote I've heard yet. It's like, and, and it doesn't even need to be about winning, but if you made a pass or if you placed where you did and you lost the respect of the people that you had to pass to get there, like, it's... What what yep. are you doing? Yep. Completely agree. In fact, uh, I believe Tom shared a, a deal from mid Ohio. He, uh, he said he raced his own teammate, Andy, who's like responsible yes. for half of his success this year. He like, I raced him way harder than I wanted to, or should have, um, because I was afraid of, you know, losing. So it's like, we just, it's so hard in the moment when you're making split second decisions and you're trying to decide, you know, I really want to win, but at what cost? And it's, yep. I don't know. It's uh, I'd like to think I'm clean and, uh, and I love, I love racing with clean people. And that's exactly what GLTC basically is. I mean, we all make mistakes. Um, but, uh, overall, man, there's, there's not really a group of people I can imagine racing, uh, more clean than this. Yeah. And certainly after, you know, I didn't watch all of nationals, but I saw some highlights and in professional series to boot, like it's, and you know, I, I watch IMSA's social media channels too. It's like, we're, we're pretty clean. I mean, we're, we've got room for improvement, Yeah, but like we're, we're pretty good. Well, I think it starts at the top with Adam. Like that's the, the whole series was based around that. Like if we're, if we're going to be banging into each other, then this isn't going to exist. Right. This doesn't get this far if that's what we're, if we're about. So. Yeah. And it's, and even beyond like the, the body panel damage and like fixing cars and stuff like, you know, there's bags of flesh inside there too, who you, know, you hopefully want to like have a beer with later and have, yeah. has, a family or friends and people who care about them and like people get injured and we've been lucky to have had a pretty low injury rate, but like sometimes body damage is like best case scenario. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's a real danger. That's for sure. Yeah. So talk to me about time attack at the level that you did it and the eventual decision to shift gears into wheel to wheel 
Sure. Uh, so yeah, it was, I think it was three or four years of time attacking that ZR one where I, it was just an escalation. It was every, every off season was like, all right, we got to find more speed. So let's buy this part or let's do that. Um, we had that thing making 750 wheel horsepower, um, with the supercharged engine. Um, but that thing got so hot and it was so heavy and the car was unbalanced with it. Um, we ended up taking that out and putting a, basically a, a 468 LS seven, um, race engine basically with, uh, with no supercharger. So we lost 150 horsepower, but we gained so much time. We lost 500 pounds. I took, was able to take out of the car from, cause we gutted it, not just the supercharger, Okay, but, uh, gutted the whole car down to nothing. Um, I put a Holly, uh, like we t- I took out all of the GM electronics, which is the best thing you can do to any g- general motors, uh, vehicle. Yeah get rid of every every stitch of wiring and uh anything you can get out of there and then start over with something standalone so uh, and we did, you know went with the holly because it i didn't need it to do anything fancy it just needed to run an engine so anyway um so yeah we did that and it, it's just snowballs obviously you if you've ever seen the car it, it snowballed into something bananas but uh we also were able to claim some pretty awesome wins in autocross with that car. We won the first ever King of the Mountain event. Um, that was a $10,000 win. And then a couple of years later, Optima had the, uh, what was it called? The ultimate autocross something or other. I should know this probably. Uh, that was 25 grand and that was uh, unbelievable. Uh, like, what did we get five runs on a 30 second autocross course or something. So it's not like it's an immense amount of racing, but it is incredibly high intensity. And, uh, that was one of those times where I was crying like a baby. Cause it's like, I just won 25 grand cruising my car around a parking lot. So yeah, for two awesome. and a half minutes of driving. Yeah. What? Yeah. And was that event? I, I definitely don't remember. Was that like single best run or is that cumulative? Yep. That was single best runs. Yep. Yeah. 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 So like, and it came, came down to the last run too. It was either I do it or I don't do it. And I knew the car had the speed, um, but it was so hard to get it out of the car. So yeah, geez. it was unbelievably just so, so much emotion and, uh, and excitement and uh, so grateful for those memories and those times. Plus that 25 grand is what's responsible for that purple shit box of mine. <laughs> Uh, that car wouldn't be anywhere close to where it is without that. So yep. that was pretty awesome. Yep. What was it about the the escalation of Time Attack? Or I guess was it the escalation of Time Attack in spending the money and spending the money upgrading the car, spending the time to upgrade the car like constantly? Like, like you never like win Time Attack. It's just like, Okay, I did that, but then I have to immediately start for next year. Like next year's already being planned. Like was it that continual like Sisyphus like rolling the boulder up the hill sort of thing that eventually like just made you want to get out of it or what what no. was it? Uh it wasn't that. It was uh two things probably. It was the never-ending cycle of money that goes into right. it. Yeah. And then the lack of of seat time. I mean, in time attack, when we're, we were running street tires, I was on the Kumos, which they can handle some heat, but the Yokos and some of these other ones, uh, you know, they're a one lap tire and then there's no reason to continue beating on your car. 
So you're doing one lap, maybe two, depending on the weather. Um, and then you're pulling in, waiting for the next session. And it's, man, it's so much money yep. and so much effort and uh, everything just to do that. And it, then I see all these, my buddies like going out, you don't need all that horsepower. You don't, I don't need to go 165. I'm, I'm okay with going 120 or whatever we do top speed, you know, right. like that's plenty fast when you're next to, you know, 40 other people. So, um, I just saw you guys having so much fun and I was like, I know that I can do well in that series. And, you know, that's obviously an important thing to me. So let's find out how well I can do. So that's what drew me away. Had you ever done wheel to wheel? prior to gltc no nope. no i had done just uh i racing which some people will laugh at but it's a it's a real tool for for real racing and learning racecraft so and i like tom and and dj and all those others i've that's all the only video games i've ever played was the uh either racing games or madden football i didn't i was never shooting people i didn't care about any of that other stuff sure uh, yeah so i was just racing is all i really cared about I'm hoping to join that party sometime this winter. Dude. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm being, I'd, I'd been yelled at for like two or three years by one of Seth and my good friends that he's like, you know, it's, it's good training, but it's good training and not the way that you think it is. Like, it's good. Like you need to do it. You need to do it. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, but like the car needs things. And, <laughs> but he's like, but, and yeah. this is coming from like Seth and I, like, like we coach like that, that's something like we really like. And of course me, it's, I should have, of course, like you do this, like you don't try to make the car faster. You do this first. And yeah. Uh, anyway. Yep. So. It is tough to, to decide where the money goes. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I racing, you can easily spend a lot of money on that too. Yeah. I've, I've, I've heard things. Uh, <laughs> we'll see once I, once I get into it, Luke, uh, funny story. So Luke, uh, was telling me last year, I was going to upgrade my computer because what I had was not working for iRacing. So we were looking at every option available and, uh, I was like, fine, let's just buy this stupid $5,000 computer because it's also gonna, it can mine and it'll get me all that money back in 1.2 years. And as soon as I bought that and start mining the whole crypto, just <sighs> shit the bed. And now the computer's been turned off for like eight months. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that happened, man. Yeah. Yeah, don't yeah. don't talk Scott into feeling worse about it than he is. No, I don't know. No, I I don't have a lot of money in crypto. I have a lot less in crypto than I used to. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like I'm not gonna sell now. Yeah. Just gotta keep it in there. Yeah, man. Right that sled to the bottom. Meaning. Shit. Yeah, that was a real oh, well. thing, man. It was brilliant. Hey, did you get did you get into uh what was it? GameStop there at a at a good time? I never jumped in early enough. Like all that stuff. Uh was it GameStop? It was Bed Bath and Beyond is the other one that was crazy. Oh really? Oh, and the uh, AMC, the movie AMC. theater. There was, that was yeah, yep. AMC. AMC was, yep. Yeah. Yep. And incidentally, I play with none of this. I watch it with fascination. I'm like <laughs> the most conservative old man investor and i just i don't play with any of that nonsense but i do watch it yeah i just watched a netflix documentary on the gamestop deal it's pretty intriguing and it makes you think man <laughs> what if but, i know if if you had just dropped 500 bucks at the right time like yeah 
That's many thousands of dollars. Yeah. Your racing could have been covered, Scott. I, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. And instead, I'm like writing cover letters and sending stuff to people. <laughs> it's like, please. One help day me. we're going to come up with an invention and it's going to all come together. Ooh, I came up with one the other day, although I'm not going to waste your time with it because I'll just get <laughs> laughed off the, the podcast. But plus, I don't think it's really what your listeners are tuning into. I've, yeah, I mean, I've I've had some ideas in the past, and it, I, I don't know. we'll talk. Let's talk at Heartland. All right, we'll talk. Yeah, <laughs> let's come up with the the next Bitcoin that we can. Uh, oh no, thank you. We can sell people on. Yeah, the old grid grid life coin. Grid coins. Grid coins. Oh man, that could. Oh, I like that. That could legitimately be a thing, though. Okay, anyway, somebody's okay, going to so, do it before us. Yeah, go I want to do grid coins. You can. You could pay for your entry fees with grid coins. <laughs> I'm telling you. There's no real money at all. It'll be fantastic. It's Great. useless. So, big purple elephant in the room. Um, mm-hmm. You're the Corvette guy. You showed up at Grid Life with a big purple Corvette. And a lot of people... I would say, when, when I saw you showing up in the Corvette, uh, or just sort of the chatter around it, it Coda. was... What's that? Coda, right? Last year, Coda. Last year, Coda, first event, and it wasn't even purple at the time. It was uh, it was silver with blue racing stripes, which, which is how I bought it. Right. And I let people sign it and write on it with sharpies. Is uh, so that was it was really ugly. There, there is I mean, a lot of, but there's a lot of opinions about Corvettes in GLTC. Oh yeah, um, and there's certainly a lot of people who oh. watched you show up in a Corvette and a GLTC and went, oh, that's the easy way to do it. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like that's necessarily true. I'm not sure that's true at all, but you did make it look easy. Well, thanks. I think the the experience sure helped. I mean, I'd already built uh, basically a wild version of the same car, and I'd found a lot of uh, partners and sponsors with the best parts in the industry. So it's not like I just bought a a a C5 and just went out and won. It's I rebuilt that whole car top to bottom and we put the best of everything in it basically. Um, although nothing for horsepower. Um, I mean, we have some, some nice comp parts in the engine, um, just for valve train stability and whatnot, but, uh, in a daily dry sump, those are like the big ticket items, um, as far as, uh, big cost, but, uh, just for reliability, but there's, you know, it's not like uh, where you have to replace everything, but in in a way you still are. It's I can't think of anything I didn't really replace. So I guess I just rebuilt the transmission. It was already faceplated, but what? All right. So you you've mentioned that you are pretty competitive. You like to win. Mm-hmm. You show up to not really a grid life event, but a GLTC of supported event. And get my butt kicked, yeah. Actually, no, I get I get nailed. I was in second place and Emil ran me off the road. <laughs> do you remember this? I do remember that. I do remember you? that. Yep. Yeah, dude, he lit me up. Turn one. Turn one. I remember that. Yeah. 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 Um, anyway. What were your what were your thoughts going into that weekend? Because yeah, you knew how to build and drive a Corvette. Granted, maybe not one this slow in a straight line. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, that was a whole thing at Coda too. Anyway. Yeah, and but you're on track with other cars in close quarters doing wheel to wheel. Now mm-hmm. you'd had your eye racing experience, which certainly helped. But like, what what was going through your brain before that weekend? Uh, I've, I've never really been too intimidated to race or drive, although like, so I wasn't like worked up in that respect. Um, although I was overly cautious at the time, which is probably the way you should be. And, uh, frankly, I I spent basically all last season being extra cautious. Um, and I think a lot of people would be like, yeah, if you get around Swenson, he'll just give it to you. Cause he's, you know, and that's fine. I mean, I'll try to get it back later, but um, if I wasn't sure if someone was inside me, I'd be like, well, I'll just leave it open in case someone's there. And that's the attitude you probably should have. Um, but yeah, just heading into Coda. I mean, the first thing is it was full on winter in Minnesota when I left. So, I mean, I loaded the car up on ice and I get down to Coda. It's beautiful there. And, uh, I'm driving the car for the first time and all the dust from the car sitting forever. It sat for a bunch of years before I got it all that dust is coming up and uh, going everywhere. The first time I drive the car, I'm like, Holy smokes, literally shaking off the dust. Yeah. And then I kick it down. I'm like, nothing's happening. There's no power. I was like, okay, I guess this is 220 horse or whatever it was at the time. (laughs) And, uh, but man, it was fun. And then just starting to figure the car out and the car was pretty decent right away. Other than we, we were down, I think 10 horsepower from where we should be. And I turned into a, a cry baby shortly after that race. Cause I was like, I don't know if these rules are right because I, uh, I know where I think I should be. And I wasn't. And part of that is cause the weekend kind of got away from me from the little incident. And by the way, Emil is the best dude ever. And he's good. Dude. It was, I mean, even at the time it was not a big deal, but uh, especially cause I was just getting into it and I had a lot to learn. So, yeah, I was, I was curious to hear your thoughts on the aftermath of Coda because I do remember listening to a particular uh, hypercritical episode and which stirred the pot significantly. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. Yeah, cliff notes on that? Oh, you remember. <laughs> no, well, I mean, I remember what happened because I was upset that I just wasted all this money yeah. on a car that had no chance. Yeah. And uh, cause the way, cause the way it raced there, it was like, man, this thing is, this thing has no chance. If it can't compete at Coda, right. we're going to all these other small tracks. Cause that was my, my deal was like, I didn't have a sport or a wing. Yep. I ran a spoiler. I had no splitter. Yep. Um, I took my flat penalty and I was like, this thing should murder everyone in a straight line Yes. and I will win Coda. <laughs> and it was so slow. It was, Oh man, there's like a couple cars slower, um, in a straight line. And it's probably, I'm remembering it probably worse than it actually was, but uh, man, it felt real slow. Yeah. Yeah. And there were some insinuations made about other cars and drivers. Oh um, yes. I was like, well, cause I thought if that's everything that this thing has, and if you're running with, with a wing and other, uh, you know, like, uh, Aaron, for example, with a PDK and a wing and right. whatever else, if he's still driving away from me, then someone's cheating. Someone has to be cheating. Sure. And that didn't go over well, which it, it shouldn't because <laughs> the new guy coming in being like on fire, like, Hey guys, uh, I think you're cheating because I wasn't cheating and you guys just drove away. And uh, all that we really care about in GLTC is like, if, if, if uh, you can find a better way to get through a corner, that's on you, but we're looking at acceleration rates. Cause that's like your chance to cheat. So, uh, like it's pretty, pretty cut and dry. And, uh, 
it's nice to know that pretty much nobody's cheating as far as I know, at least this year. Yeah. Yeah. I I think this year, especially with um, Scott Malloy coming on board to really kind of get all the boxes, look at the help, look at the data and the dyno. The dyno is huge. And that's, I've been on the dyno every event now because it's like, I, even if, if I'm giving up two horsepower or five horsepower, I want to know because that's how competitive I am. So I spend 220, whatever it is, 200 to 225 bucks every event just to get on the dumb dyno and run the car and see where it's at. Well, you'll be proud of me then this will be, I'm planning on getting on the dyno at Heartland. This will be my first time on the grid life dyno. Oh dude. And then you're going to go win all four races and and then I'm going to say you're cheating. Well, here, here's the thing. Like I had Tom drive my car at the mid Ohio fun race. Um, I was just like, Hey, take it out, flog it. Give me your impressions and your feedback. Um, Tom and I've worked together in the past and Tom knows mid Ohio. And I trust that like, he's not going to bend my car. Mm-hmm. So, uh, there was a second and a half between he and I in my car, which I was pretty proud of, to be honest, if I'm within a second and a half of Tom, mm-hmm. but there's almost, there's just over two seconds between him and my car and him and his car. And so, you know, we looked at that data. Was, that and, was this year. Yeah, that's mid-Ohio two months ago. Okay. And so I'm like, so, you know, we looked at the data later, but I'm like, where, where is that speed? Uh, he yep. said it feels flat on in the straights. I think part of it's gearing. Um, but he said it feels a little slow on straights. And he said uh, it's got no ABS, so braking zones oh, would be the yeah. other thing. Yep. That'll do it. Yeah, and yeah, well... ABS aside, you know, I, I learned at AMP, um, how significant some tracks are dependent on ABS. AMP is the most ABS dependent track I've ever been on. I was getting eaten alive Yeah, <laughs> going into turn one. Cause it's a downhill braking yep. and then it's a little off camber all the way in. I would just light up the inside, inside front every time. <laughs> super irritating were you rotating tires throughout the weekend too oh yeah we were we were (laughs) we were trying everything we could and uh it was a spring rate thing too which we changed which helped but yeah but i'm gonna get on the dyno and uh that's great i hope you don't break it with all that power (laughs) my my me getting on without scraping my under tray is really going to be the victory because um, we had to make like special ramps on my trailer so I didn't have to oh. take anything off. Yeah. They've got it pretty good now. They've got uh, a few extra boards out there, and it's it's pretty decent. Yeah. I'm, I've got some experience. I'm, I'm, I'm going to need all of those. Okay. Um, so after you started winning a fair bit last year, after your Coda experience, you kind of got mm-hmm. the you got the power right. You started tweaking with things. Where was your first win? I was the next event at NCM. NCM. That's when you went to street tires, right? That's exactly it. That's yep. Right. We uh, I I chatted with Jimmy, who was locked up in uh, Canada for two years. So he and I chatted all the time, and he's like, "Hey, let's try some of the stuff. This is some of the stuff that he was trying to do. You know, given the rules at the time." Oh, yeah. You could save 4% if you ran street tires, but also the street tires that I was able to run were significantly wider than the Hoosiers. So I could run a, 
a 315 AO52 uh, and take a 4% uh, increase in horsepower or reduction in weight. Mm-hmm. And that was a real solid uh, improvement for the car. So uh, we went out and won. Actually, we were leading the very first race. We qualified on pole, I believe. We were leading the first race, or maybe it was second. Um, Andy was right there. Um, but we were leading the first race. Second lap, my transmission uh, linkage broke. and uh, But we ended up getting, a, I found a, a buddy, Adam, had one. So we put a transmission in and made it back for, we were still on the front row for race two because of lap time. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we got second in race two and uh, we won race three. So yeah, had some pretty early success. Yeah. How, how did the trajectory of uh, GLTC last season go? Like with, with your, your mindset, your attitude, the car, like how, how did all that mesh up throughout last season? Uh, I think I played with everything too. Like uh, we were uh, on those street tires for a long time. Uh, well, not really. Uh, we were on the Yokos until Gingerman. Yep. Uh, I, won, uh, I won the first race at Gingerman, and then, uh, but apparently, a bunch of us passed under yellow. We passed a lap car. It was a whole thing. Uh, but anyway, um, after that, the Yokos got banned. So then I went to the Nankangs. And then we went to Autobahn, and I'm that car is not good at Autobahn. I'm just convinced of it. That, or else I'm screwing something up real bad. I don't know what it is, but surface of Autobahn is different. Yeah, than a lot of a lot of the other tracks we go to. Sure. So anyway, I've never really had much much success there, but we were slow there. Um, trying to think of the next one, but basically most all of our success came on street tires. And that's what I spent most of the season on until we went to Heartland. Um, and I put on the Nankangs went out for the practice session and it was horrendously bad. And that is probably the most unique surface we'll be on. Um, so keep this in mind. It is hmm. quite smooth. I think they say there's some type of like synthetic aggregate or something in it that, uh, Interesting. it is very unique. Um, it is pretty good grip. Um, I have not driven on it wet. I don't know. Hopefully it's not going to be wet because that's not my thing. But um, yeah, it is a really unique surface and we're all on street tires now, but it'll be interesting to see like if certain street tires have a, a better advantage, like the Falcons everywhere we've gone this year are not really the ticket for a long term. Like at the end of the race, they're just not there for you really. But that might be different on a cooler temperature. Um, it's supposed to be cool. The Falcons might be a real contender at this race, and because that's such a unique surface that I don't know. Well, and they've see. and they've got a fair bit of time to let the outside edges cool um, because yeah. there are a couple pretty good sized straights there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what I've found on the Falcons because we ran those last year and for the first part of this year, and we found that like pace wise they can actually maintain throughout a race, but feel you have to slide them everywhere yep. to keep that pace. Yep. But we're also pretty convinced that they did a unannounced compound change over the winter because oh. how they are behaving this, how they behaved for us this year was not how they behaved last year. Last year they were solid throughout a race and this year we just we were experiencing the fall off which mm-hmm. is why we went to the falcons is because they right. lasted for us last year 
Yeah. And that just wasn't the case this year. Interesting. I started on them at Coda and they were amazing. They, I don't know if it's maybe they must get enough cooling at Coda. They were never, they never got too hot. So I was like, I committed to them. I had my sizes. I bought several more sets and then we went to NCM and they just fell off so bad. And yeah. And that, what that tracks really demanding too, especially on the left side of the car. But yeah, we were at, we were at Heartlands for the one lap this year. Um, Seth, Seth and I went in our uh, Sunday cup cars and did some real slow Mm -hmm. car stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And the first session, it was wet. Yep. Um, And I I drove Becky's car, Mooncake, on AO52s and had had a couple moments uh, of uh, liftoff oversteer at high speed and stuff. But track track actually felt decent in the wet, like certainly nothing like a mid-Ohio or even Autobahn. Autobahn in the wet's pretty... You got to be on your game there, yeah. but I would, I w- maybe not as good as Gingerman's. I don't know, somewhere in there. But like you said, it's looking pretty dry, just cool. So hopefully that'll help us fifteen inch inch guys uh, out a little. I would bit. think so. I would. I, I can't imagine they would overheat there, but yeah, we'll see. Should should be fine. Should be fine. Yeah, I'm excited for you to go. It's a very fun track to lap. I. I don't think it races very well personally, but hmm. uh, very difficult place to pass. More general question, because I'm curious where it comes from. You've, and I know you and I've gone back and forth on the GLTC chat that the thought of going to track day picnic for you, where it's no points, like nothing really counts, like makes you want to gavomit a little bit. And I'm, uh... I wouldn't go that far. I mean, <laughs> here's, I, I can cut you off right there. Ah, uh, come on. Okay, go ahead. No. So it's, this goes back to my time attack thing. I've got a, a ZR one and, uh, I have a ton of money that I don't even have the right to own that car. Like I, I don't do as well as maybe it looks like I do. Um, and really my wife is the breadwinner. So, uh, she's the one who makes the real money at, but, uh, I have a ton of money tied up in a ZR1 and it's a rain session in time attack. That's a useless session. You're not going to go faster in the rain and you're putting your car at risk. You're wearing out parts for no reason. You're getting stuff wet. There's no reason. And people would make fun of me. Uh, There's a bunch of people like get out there and race. You learn stuff in the rain. I was like, yeah, I get it, but I'm not going to risk a car for nothing. So that's kind of where my, that thought process comes is like, and that's kind of the same thing with, uh, you know, like I'm, I bet you guys have a blast out there. Although that is, I've seen, you know, a really nice car, uh, fly up an embankment there. Um, you know what I'm talking about? I've, I've seen a couple. <laughs> yep. yeah. So it's like the, the risk and reward just, uh, isn't there for me. So, and, and frankly, it is, it's the competition thing. Like none of the, none of the really competitive guys are probably going to those events. Fair enough. What what is it about competition that like that's what you want to do? Like it's you know, there's there's a bunch of people who, you know, don't care about lap times. Uh there's you know, are just go to the track to hang out or go to volunteer and help work on other people's yeah. cars. Like what is it for you that makes driving, but not just driving, but like competitive trying to win like that's why you will show up 
What dude, that's like, an awesome question. Yeah, where where does that who broke you in the day? <laughs> uh I guess my family were relatively competitive to begin with. Um, but I think I have so many thought processes on this. Uh, I think one of the big things is I'm pretty good at racing and I don't like to make it sound like that. Like it sounds kind of conceited, but I'm, I've done enough racing now and I've won enough stuff and I've been, you know, nationally done enough events where I feel like, okay, I think I know what I'm doing. Um, and I want to prove it and let's find out because that's, that's what drives me is, uh, for example, uh, Jimmy Houghton has been talking about uh, a new rule change for next year that he'd like to see where we would potentially penalize um, drivers who uh, are winning. Uh, like we get rewards weight. Now mm -hmm. he's talking about uh, maybe bringing that from race to race, carrying over so that, you know, the top 10 or whoever are a little closer. Um, and to me, that drives me nuts. Like I don't want to beat Tom O'Gorman because he has uh because he's got a penalty or because he's, you know, 5% more weight, that will be a empty win to me. And I, I don't know if that makes sense to anybody else, but to me, I want to beat Tom O'Gorman when he, he's in the best car he's got and he's driving the best. And I just was able to beat him. And that's not happened this year, hardly at all. And it's hard for me to swallow that because like, I like to think anytime I show up, I want to think I'm the best driver. I know I'm not, I know he's better than me. It's so hard to admit that I know he's better than well, me. It's, it's, it's about to get published. <laughs> What's that? There it is. This is, this yeah, is being, yeah, there recorded. it's official. And yeah. Everyone now knows that I, <laughs> I agree with everybody else that he's better than me, but, uh, I like to think I can, you know, give him a run for his money and I've done it a number of times and, yep. Uh, and frankly, it's so hard when, when cars aren't exactly identical, like my car at, uh, Colorado, this last event, it, there was nothing he could do. It was just that car at that place just works better than his car at that place. Meanwhile, we go to, you know, most of these other small tracks, it's nearly impossible for me to run with them. So it's, uh, although at mid Ohio, um, it was kind of upside down he would leave me in most corner exits just a little bit, but my car on Nexon's was faster than his car on Kumo's in the corners, which uh, was so awesome at mid Ohio. I was like, I'd be, be able to catch him. I spent all of race three on his bumper and uh, we, we kind of drove away a little bit, but it was just him and me basically that whole race. And I was on his bumper the whole race and I gave him a pretty hard time for, you know, even down to the last lap. And that was some of the most fun I've had. And then talking to him afterwards, he's like, dude, that was, he's like, I know you had to have been killing it because I was killing it and you were on my bumper the whole race. And that, that's what gets me going, man, is like, I want to beat him and I know he wants to beat me. And that's what makes it so much fun. And there's mutual respect on the racetrack is where like, if that's not there, then it's not fun either. So, yeah. Yeah. Like we talked about earlier, if you know, you yeah. got to, maintain respect of your fellow drivers yeah and by the way i don't i don't want to like crap on anybody who thinks that like the only reason you should go to these things is to go try and win that's not what i'm trying to say because uh a we need you know we need people in the back of the pack we need people in the middle of the pack and we need people in the front of the pack that's just that's the way a successful series is run but um there's no shame and like if that's where you know you're happy or that's your pace or whatever the case is that's great. As long as you're having fun, that's what we all do this for is for the fun, but the most fun, the most 
enjoyment I get, the the biggest hit of adrenaline that I get is from winning or battling for the win. And that's uh, what pushes me so hard. Could you have fun racing for for seventh? I mean, throughout a season, if that's if that's where you were and everybody the pointy end got pointier and you're you found yourself battling for seventh in a season, could you have fun doing that? That is a fantastic question. Um, I, I think, yeah, I could still have fun depending on who I'm racing and whatnot, but, um, that would drive me nuts. I would be home every, after every race, that car would be in pieces and I'd be looking for problems with it. I, I study my video before, after, during everything and looking at, you know, I'm not that good at data. We, I need to get better at that, but, uh, that would drive me nuts. But, and that's the same thing as like seventh. I don't know if I could maintain a seventh position for like season after season. I'd have to be like, man, I've just, I don't have it anymore. <laughs> time to tie them up, I guess. Time to take I don't up know. golf. Yeah. Well, I've been golfing more this year, <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, I don't know. That's a great question. I, I, it would drive me though. Like if I finished seventh, that would drive me hard to improve for the next race. And if I didn't, I would improve for the following race. I would guarantee improvement, uh, quickly and if i didn't i'd I'd be looking for answers it almost sounds like in this you know drive for competition that it almost seems like there's an air of like wanting to demonstrate your ability or to i don't want to say like prove yourself because that seems like a, a teenage thing to do but like that you want to demonstrate that you are the best in whatever arena you enter you know if if you're going going autocross like you want to be the best there to um not like to show other people like in a haughty fashion but like you you want to demonstrate that you can do this and that you can win same for time attack same for gltc does that does that resonate with you at all yeah i, I don't know if it's as much about showing it's as i think proving to myself yeah, that i'm right, right. I'm at that level. That's, that's what I, and and not just myself, I guess I, I want to prove to others because when people say, Oh man, Tom is an alien. He's on the next level. And he is, I mean, he is next level driver for most of us. Um, most of us can't run with him and that's just the way it is. It, I like to, I want to be in that conversation. Like I want to be like that guy is so good and he's so consistent or he's this and that, you know, like I want to be, uh, in the conversation, at least for being the fastest guy, I guess. Well, I know Kyle, it's been a few weeks now, but Kyle updated the season point and stats card and your average finish is absurd. And I think like the highest by a fair margin, like I think you have a 2.5 yeah. average finishing position over every single race that you've done this year. Yeah, that's a testament to the car too. I mean, I've had very few issues. I've had, you know, a couple small things, which I've been lucky on timing. Uh, My car has been throwing belts these last couple events, but it's happened on the dyno um, or in, uh, or in practice at Colorado. It happened my first lap of Colorado. So I was able to get that fixed. Um, So I was lucky timing there, but yeah, that's just a, that's a consistency thing. Obviously it's, you know, to finish, 
average finish being 2.5, that's, that's pretty good. But when Tom wins 16 of 20 races or whatever it is, I think that's the more impressive stat. So, yeah. Well, I, I think you're, you have to be in the conversation of, Oh, I, I mean, seriously, it's like, again, at that race at mid Ohio, I mean, if that is Tom's home track, that's probably the most balanced track in terms of like straights to corners that we have. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if Tom was killing it at that track and you were keep like not keeping up, but like you were, you were right there. Like that's, yeah. I think well, actually in race two, Jimmy and I got ahead of Tom. And I think Andy did too. Tom had, yes, he said he had a little extra weight than he normally did. And he had a, an old tire or something, a mismatched tire. And that's all it takes, man. That's, that's like, if you want to know what it takes to win, like you have to work a lot at it. Uh, I'm on fresh tires every weekend. We qualify on fresh tires and then race that weekend. And like, it's, it's a commitment if you want to do it. And that's, I don't know, that's the drive that gets me going. And I love the idea. Like people don't want professionals. Some people like, man, this is a grassroots club racing thing. Why are we letting professionals in here? As far as I'm concerned, all the professionals can come race. Let's, you know, let's see where we stack up. And then maybe I am the seventh place guy. And then I wrap it up for a career. <laughs> good day. Yeah. Good, good day. You win because there's, I mean, Tom to all of us is the best driver we know, but there's levels beyond Tom too. And, uh, it's hard to imagine, but, and it depends too. I mean, it's an experience thing too, where his experience is far more than mine. I've coming from time attack. I spent so little time on track that, True. The, just last season, I probably spent more time on track in GLTC than I did my whole career prior, and and I'm just learning scenarios and situations about you know where, what you should be doing, when and why, and and how you can improve car position or whatever. And it's a lot to learn to to get that fast. And Tom has taught me a lot, as has uh, Robert uh, Robert Thorne. He he, I'm learning. You got to race him a little bit different. I think. Um, if you want to be in front of him, uh, cause he's, he's got a little bit different, uh, of a, not, not necessarily a GLTC attitude. So he, uh, although great dude too. And we, you know, we'll chat it out after a race and everything, but, uh, Good guy. yeah, a lot to learn from these, these guys that have been pro racing for so long. So with as intense as it sounds like your focus is on the race in preparation, during a race, um, kind of the breakdown evaluation after how with your wife coming more often, I'm curious how she fits into that on a, on a given weekend. Like I know you said that she's like helping out, um, on the car, but it still sounds like your focus is very much the racing and have, how, how have you been balancing that? because it seems like it's a kind of a new thing. Sure. Uh, I guess if it's easy because she's, we've been together since we're 16 years old and she knows what she's in for when we're at a racetrack. Uh, there's been many times where she's brought friends to races in the past and she's like, all right, let's go out and let's go do this or let's go sightsee. You know, we've gone to Colorado six times now between Optima and GLTC. And, you know, there's so much fun stuff to look and see and do when you're in, in Colorado Springs. But it's like, no, man, I'm here to race. I'm, you know, I'm trying to win this race. And so there, there's definitely gotten a little bit better of a balance there. 
Um, but she knows what we're there to do and she's completely on board with supporting that. And she's, you know, she's helping turn the car between events. She's uh, making dinner or, you know, whatever the case is, she's hundred percent on board and it's, it's been awesome. Awesome. Very good. So what's, so we've got one more weekend in GLTC finals at Heartland. Mm, we are yeah. recording this episode before that weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably like two days from you leaving for that event. Yep. Yep. And this is going to air the Monday after Heartlands. What are you, what are your thoughts on your season? Like anything that you can say to future Jeremy? Um, <laughs> what, what do you think? Future Jeremy, uh, well, let's see. Current Jeremy is relatively satisfied with the season. Uh, I hate watching Tom win every single race for so long. Like that eats at my core. Right. But, uh, but it drives me like, and I'm not saying there's a problem with any of it. Like I need to figure out how to do better and what, you know, and so I'll go pick that apart and see if there's anything I could be doing better or improving the car. By the way, we might've found something here a couple of days ago. This might be the best. This should be the best handling Corvette purple turd shit box that, that uh, that's ever been. So I'm hoping, so we'll find out. I, I could be totally wrong, but hopefully it should be the best that's ever been at Heartland. So, and that's, you know, it's a fine thing. We've been, we've been combing that over that for two seasons now, but mm. anyway, uh, future me should be satisfied. Uh, as long as there's no ridiculous incidents or, you know, anything too crazy. I, I think the biggest race for me this next weekend is between Andy and I, we are one point, uh, apart. I'm in second. He's in third. Currently, mm-hmm. uh, Tom is the only way Tom doesn't win the championship is if he blows an engine, probably two out of the four races, <laughs> you know? So, and cause you know, they'll have it, they'll have it swapped out if they yeah, does. I was, uh, I was about to say they'd have to go through all their spares. Yeah. Yeah. So it would be, uh, and he deserves it too. It's, you know, like if he doesn't win, if somehow I was able to win, it would feel similar to how it felt last year. Last year it was Coutils to win. Um, I say that with my tongue in cheek a little bit because I went through a lot of crap last year too, but it was, uh, it came down to the very last race. And unfortunately, uh, Coutil wrecked his car in the last race. And that's what essentially got me a win. And it felt totally empty. So like I didn't, even, I've never celebrated or been excited. Like, Hey man, I'm the champ. Like it's just not there. The feeling's not there. So like, mm. that's exactly how it would feel this year. If I was somehow to win, uh, because t- this is Tom's championship. He's, he's proven it. Um, those guys are talking crazy. They've got a little burnt out, I think, cause they've gone to every single GLTC race this year They have and beyond. And, uh, I think so hopefully, much. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, hopefully they get some time to rest and recuperate because I want everything they got next year and I want to go again and let's, let's see what happens. So nice. Anybody you want to need to say hi to sponsors, people, links, all that good stuff. Yeah. I gotta say a big thanks to Viking. They're the reason the car is purple Viking performance are responsible for the shocks on the car. Um, We've got a lot of people to thank and we'll not get into that probably too deep, but Viking is, is the number one sponsor on the car for a reason. They've been with me since, since early ZR one days. And, uh, and besides that, we're, we're close friends now and 
uh, we go to a bunch of events together and we do try and do PRI together and stuff. So um, they're my biggest support. Um, all the rest of my sponsors, I'm so thankful for as well. It's uh, I was just telling my father-in-law the other day, I was like, man, I don't really have to pay for much of anything other than tires and fuel and, you know, the occasional this or that. Um, but I've got support from a lot of places and it's like, to me, when I was uh, starting to race, I would will occasionally get a sponsor here or there. And I was like, man, that's, that's how you get sponsors is winning races. And that's not really the case anymore. It's how many viewers can you get us in front of? And I'm just a fat old guy that drives an ugly car. And uh, it's nice that some of these sponsors are still be like, you know what, this guy, let's give, let's hook him up with some oil, you know, thank you, Valvoline, or let's hook him up with these suspension parts, you know, from G speed or after dark speed, or, you know, whatever the case is, I've been really fortunate. Um, Holly came on board to help me out a little bit this year too. Um, they're huge. They've got like 40 aftermarket companies underneath the Holly uh, blanket. So it's, it's awesome. I'm so thankful. I don't deserve any of this. Um, I'm, I'm having the time of my life though. Racing is so much fun to me. And uh, I've been so fortunate to make some of my best friends in this world because of racing uh, friends like you guys and, and so many more. It's just uh, the group of people that you meet. Um, and I don't, you know, we could preach about this all day. You've got your, uh, or a group of people and, you know, so does everybody else. And it's, man, that's what makes it so much fun. For sure. Well, we appreciate your time, man. Thanks for uh, chatting us up and whatnot. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, sorry. I, I, I spoke so much. Oh, that's that, what we want. That's all oh, good. That's, that is that, a podcast. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of why we're here to do the, <laughs> the whole talking thing. Sure. Well, uh, for the three of us, I'm Scott. I'm Seth. I'm Jeremy. And uh, we're track walking. We'll talk to you next week.